This is BBC Radio 4. Now, time for some absolute nonsense. We present I'm Sorry I Haven't a Clue, the antidote to panel games. At the piano is Colin Sell and your chairman is Humphrey Littleton. Hello and welcome to I'm Sorry I Haven't a Clue. You join us this week in Wimbledon, a vibrant town boasting a long and fascinating history. <laughs> Wimbledon Village and 400 acres of prime land were under the ownership of the Cecil family until 1638, when King Charles I bought the property as a birthday present for his wife, Henrietta Maria. Sadly, it was not only the wrong size and colour, but it also made her bum look big. <laughs> Luckily, the Cecils agreed to exchange it for a Burberry handbag as long as, as, long as Charles made up the difference in price. <laughs> During the late 18th century, many duels were fought on Wimbledon Common. One of the most infamous was when Sir Francis Burdett was challenged by the Duke of York. Burdett was offered the choice of rapier or pistol, and as an accomplished swordsman, chose the rapier. It didn't do much good. <laughs> the Duke chose the pistol. Admiral Lord Nelson had a house here and regularly frequented the Dog and Fox Inn for bouts of drunken gambling. It was there one night he made a famous wager, declaring, if Lady Hamilton isn't a virgin, you can pull my arm off and poke me in the eye with it. <laughs> Let's meet the teams. They are on my left, Barry Crower and Graham Garden. And on my right, Tim Brooke Taylor and Jeremy Hardy. And eager as ever to enjoy the hot scoring action, please welcome the delightful Samantha. Okay, we start this week with a round of inadvisable openings in which the team suggests rejected opening lines for various books. I'll say that again. In which the team suggests... Do you see what I'm doing? It's what's known as self-editing. <laughs> because uh, there's usually a, a somebody... I don't know who he is. It's the producer, Mr Naismith. <laughs> it's not your son. And you are... Okay, we start this week with a round of inadvisable openings in which the teams suggest rejected opening lines for various books, films, etc., which, had they been allowed to remain, would have spelt imminent disaster. One that springs immediately to mind is, okay, we start this week with a round of inadvisable openings. <laughs> so, teams, let's hear what rejected opening lines you found for The Da Vinci Code by Dan Brown. Graham. I would like to help with your evil scheme, said the albino monk, but these barbed wire underpants are giving me jip. 
<laughs> Tim. Leonardo awoke with a sneeze and realised he had a code. <laughs> oh. I think that's better. I believe I may be able to unravel the mystery, said Jesus Magdalene. <laughs> <coughs> Let's try another. Can we have your rejected first lines for The Origin of Species by Charles Darwin? Go on, Tim. Uh, once upon a... <laughs> Thank you, Granny. Could you do it in your own voice? <laughs> you can do the Queen later. <laughs> Once upon a time, there was a stork and a gooseberry bush. If we evolved from apes and monkeys, why are there still apes and monkeys? Discuss. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. This is a picture of my wife. Now do you believe we're descended from monkeys? <laughs> oh. Not my wife. This was the original. No, 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 no. <laughs> a great idea came to me this morning as I was swinging through the forest, peeling a <laughs> banana with my feet. <laughs> oh, it was L. Ron Hubbard who put me on the right track. <laughs> <laughs> and finally... Let's hear your rejected first lines for The Mr. Men by Roger Hargreaves. You can start this one, Jeremy. Mr. Big was the envy of the other Mr. Men. <laughs> Nobody is more full of surprises than Mr. Ladyboy. <laughs> Mr. Politically Incorrect awoke to find himself surrounded by frogs, wops, huns and dagos. <laughs> OK, the teams are going to sing for us now in the game called... One song to the tune of another. This may require a short explanation. By far the most obvious analogy is to think of a song as being a market stall. The stall represents the tune carrying and displaying the goods, or words. When all the goods have been sold or sung, they can be replaced with fresh goods or words. But if you're going out to buy clothes from a market stall, make sure you don't get conned into buying imitation designer label stuff that's smuggled in from abroad, where it's often made by child labour in sweatshops. Yes, indeed, what kind of heartless fiend would exploit innocent members of the public by making money from an appalling racket? <laughs> At the, at the piano, Colin Sell. <laughs> okay, we'll start with you, Barry. I'd like you to... Well, no, I wouldn't, but you're going to sing... <laughs> you're going to sing the words of You're a Pink Toothbrush to the tune of New York, New York. <laughs> you're a pink toothbrush I'm a blue toothbrush Have we met somewhere before You're a pink toothbrush And I think, toothbrush That we met 
But you now, Tim, you have to sing the words of I Predict a Riot by the Kaiser Chiefs <laughs> to the tune of the Habanera from Bizet's Carmen. Watching the people get Larry is not very pretty, I tell thee. Walking through town is quite scary and not very sensible either. A friend of a friend, he got beaten. He looked the wrong way at a policeman. Would never have happened to Smeaton. An old Leodian, la 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 la. La 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 la, ah, ha ha ha, la 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 la. I predict a riot, oh, I predict a riot, I predict a riot, I predict a riot. Your turn now, Jeremy. I would like. I would like to hear you sing the words of Creep by Radiohead to the tune of There's No One Quite Like Grandma. <laughs> sure. When you were here before Couldn't look you in the eye You're just like an angel your skin makes me cry You float like a feather In a beautiful world I wish I were special You're so f***ing special <laughs> But I'm a creep I'm a weirdo What the hell am I doing here? I don't belong here don't care if it hurts, I wanna have control I want a perfect body, I want a perfect soul Want you to notice when I'm not around You're so special, I wish I was special And finally, Graham, I'd like you to sing the words of Remember You're a Womble <laughs> to the tune of the chorus of the Hebrew slaves from, Verdi, from Verdi's Nabucodonosor. When the sun doesn't shine and it's cloudy and grey and it's only the beginning of the wombling day <laughs> And you've got to do the washing up For Madame Cholet, remember, remember Remember, remember Remember, member, member, member. 
Our next game is an old favourite called Daily Mail Headlines. Actually, I've stopped taking the Daily Mail now that their astrologer, Russell Grant, has left. It was inevitable Russell would have to go as he could never get along with the editor of the woman's section. She's a Capricorn and he's an idiot. <laughs> in, in this game, I'll provide the teams with a typical newspaper headline. They'll then take turns to change one word at a time until I judge it's been transformed into a headline fit to grace the front page of the Daily Mail, at which point you'll hear this. <laughs> as I reach for my horn. <laughs> okay, teams, here's your first typical newspaper headline. Brilliant new Lulu chart entry stuns pundits. Would you start changing it one word at a time, please, Tim? Brilliant new seekers chart entry stuns pundits. Uh, brilliant new seekers... Brilliant new seekers illegal entry stuns pundits. Um, brilliant new seekers legal entry stuns millions. Cheating new seekers illegal entry stuns millions. <coughs> Cheating asylum seekers <laughs> illegal entry stuns millions. <laughs> Here's another typical headline for you to adapt. <laughs> I was having a nice dream then. Okay. <laughs> Here's another typical headline for you to adapt for the Daily Mail teams. Big Brother housemates share guilty secrets. And I would like you to start that one. Was that share? I don't really care who starts that one. <laughs> oh, Barry. Go on then. Big Brother housemates. Yeah, so to share guilty secrets. Yeah. Uh, Big Brother housemates ignore guilty secrets. Big Brother cellmates ignore guilty secrets. Big uh, brother cellmates ignore guilty pleasures. Uh, big brother cellmates choose guilty pleasures. Big brother cellmates choose sexual pleasures. Franciscan brother cellmates choose... <laughs> uh, we move on now to a different and entertaining round. Now, the cardinal sin of wireless broadcasting is total silence, or dead air. However, the teams would be doing well to replicate the stunned silence that greeted Barry last weekend, addressing the Church of England Ladies' Bible Class Committee. Perhaps he shouldn't spend quite so long in the bar before telling the one about the bloke who went out to fly stunt kites in the Kent countryside. <laughs> Right, I brought along some famous pieces of radio silence which I'd like the teams to identify. Okay, Tim and Jeremy, the first piece of dead air is for you. Can you identify this, please? Ah, yes. Mm. Yes, I think I know this one. Um, it's just after the question, all those in favour of George Galloway say aye. No, I think it was thought for the day with Peaches Geldof. It could have been uh, a recording of the very best of you and yours. Um, yeah, actually, I think Tim's right. I think yeah, it was you and yours, yeah. Right. Is that right? Let's hear the clip in its entirety. Jay Goody, you scored no points and 57 passes. 
Your turn now, Barry and Graham. Here's some dead air for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, I think we know. Hold on, hold on. It hasn't started. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's it. Was it Turnip Watch with Bill Oddie? <laughs> no. Trappist Watch. <laughs> Broken Watch, watch with Bill. <laughs> a good effort, but uh, you'll be kicking yourselves. Here's the full clip. That was a two-minute silence for the comedian and actor Tim Brooke Taylor who died again this evening. <laughs> Your turn again, Tim and Jeremy. Could you identify this famous piece of dead air? I think it was a very small part of the patronising, pointless and insulting moment on most reality TV shows between and the winner is... <laughs> and the name of the winner. Alternatively, it could be most of Act Two in any Harold Pinter play. Yeah. <laughs> it might have been Anne Atkins' moments of doubt. <laughs> or it could have been the embarrassing time when the Japanese Prime Minister was asked to say Roland Riveron's reassuringly rarefied fritillary. <laughs> well, here's the answer. Well, thanks to Jermaine Greer, Mary Kenny, and Kamal Palia, and... Leslie Grantham, you can put it away now. (laughs) Finally, Barry and Graham, one more recording of Dead Air for you to identify. And this is it. Ah, the audience know this one, they're laughing. (laughs) Is it a photo finish in a tumbleweed race? Or is it that uh, Leonard Cohen concert just after he shouted, Is everybody happy? (laughs) (laughs) Or it could be. It could be. Could be just after the barman asked Amy Winehouse to say when. (laughs) (coughs) Here's the answer. Quote, unquote, we'll be back at the same time. (laughs) Right, the next round is one called 84 Chicken Cross Road. And it's about letter writing. Coincidentally, Barry was telling us that he's finally received a letter from the Water Board in response to his inquiries about residual chemicals from birth control pills appearing in drinking water. The letter confirms categorically that levels are well within accepted safety figures. So there must be some other reason Barry's gone up two bra sizes. <laughs> okay, teams, I'd like you to take it in turns to improvise the correspondence between two famous historical figures. Barry and Graham, I'd like you to start by composing a letter from Julius Caesar to Cleopatra. And then Tim and Jeremy will come up with a reply and so on. However, the challenge is that the letters must be constructed by each panellist alternating one word at a time. And when I honk, you've heard it before, you're going to hear it again. It's the end of the correspondence. Off you go, Barry and Graham. Dear Claire, I 
thought that you were coming to Rome some time, but apparently you are not. So what are you playing at? I wonder. <laughs> Furthermore, what are you going to do about the problem of the <laughs> leaking <laughs> yet <laughs> dry <laughs> barge? On which you intend to travel to Rome and without <laughs> doubt <laughs> I expect to be there to greet you and to embrace you and give you <laughs> one Of those pretty gifts that you love to receive so often from me and others. Speaking of which, I wonder if Mark Antony is there with you as I write to you. Well, is he? Or not! <laughs> Yours worryingly, Julius Caesar, expert. Right, the answer from you, Timmy Jeremy. Hell, Caesar, we like to receive gifts from you always. And Mark and Tony has been to Egypt to day to <laughs> see my little pyramids. <laughs> and to stroke my little swings. <laughs> he Adores <laughs> to stroke my lovely and tasty little falafels, <laughs> which I keep frying to entice him with, but he is impotent <laughs> and. I am bathing in acid topped up with cream and also cornflakes. <laughs> yum, yum. So I hope you were enjoying this letter, which I am faxing. <laughs> <laughs> to you by email. <laughs> Lots of kisses from your only Cleo Patra.
Well, it's very nearly the end of the show, but there's just time for the teams to announce their late arrivals at the Butcher's Ball. Samantha has to nip out now as she's off to do a spot of food shopping. She says that while she's a great fan of Mr. Sainsbury's traditional recipe, beef in Guinness, by way of a change tonight, she's hoping to enjoy Mr. Dewhurst's famous tun insider. So teams, so teams, while she's away, so teams, while she's away preparing that, I'd like you to announce your late arrivals at a society ball for members of the butchery trade. Graham, will you start, please? Will you welcome, please, Mr. and Mrs. It Steak and their son Phil It Steak. Barry, will you welcome Mr. and Mrs. Cling Pig? And her daughter, Sukling Pig. If you please welcome Mr. and Mrs. Poundermints and their son, Arthur Poundermints. <laughs> welcome, please, Mr. and Mrs. Wingsteak and their son, Stew. <laughs> welcome, please, Mr. and Mrs. Lamb and their daughter, Raquel Lamb. You're welcome, and, please. And her miserable oh. sister. <laughs> please, getting caught in the doorway there. Her miserable sister, sad Ella Lamb. <laughs> Will you welcome, please, Mr. and Mrs. at the crackling on the pork and her son, Luke, at the crackling on the. <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Veran Bacon and her son, Lee Veran Bacon, and their dog, Can Kidney Pie. Stay, Can Kidney Pie. <laughs> welcome, please. Big welcome no, to Mr. Mr. and Mrs. Pie and their son, the well-known villain Ham Pie. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Furter. What? And their son, Frank Furter. He's a bit of a mincer. And a big warm welcome for Mr. and Mrs. Spasti. And their daughter, Connie Spasti. <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Al and their son, Hallo. Very welcome, please. Mr. and Mrs. Bennett, I'm not paying that for a pound of mince. And their son, Gordon Bennett, I'm not paying that for a pound of mince. And so, ladies and gentlemen. As the goldfish of time swims round the bowl of fate before being flushed round the U-bend of eternity. <laughs> I notice it's the end of the show, so from the team Samantha, myself and the fine people of Wimbledon, it's goodbye. Barry Cryer, Graham Garden, Jeremy Hardy and Tim Brooke Taylor were being given silly things to do by Humphrey Littleton, with Colin Sell setting some of them to music. The programme consultant was Ian Pattinson, and the producer was John Naismith. And Humph and the teams will be back at the same time next week.